Our scripture for today comes from the book 1 John, which is a New Testament letter, and today we're reading 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. It is the Spirit who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And the three are in agreement. We accept human testimony, but God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God, which he has given about his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God accepts this testimony. Whoever does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because they have not believed the testimony God has given about his Son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you, who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. It's the word of God for us, the people of God. I want to thank you again for joining me this morning. As we share and worship through this radio broadcast of this morning's service, I know it's a little unusual for us to uh, share in the worship service in this way, since the people of First Methodist Church have left the physical building this morning and we are gathered at the old uh, Lazy Dog uh, Park at Hillcrest where we're sharing and worship and then a potluck and some time together. The blessing of that is that the church is wherever God's people are gathered together. So whenever you and I gather together, whether we're in a park or whether we're worshiping together through the radio or Facebook video, we're brought together because God's Spirit brings us together. So I want to begin this morning by inviting you to think of a time or a place where you have gone and there was just simply so much to see that you couldn't take it all in. Perhaps you're thinking of a trip or an experience where you just were in a place that you just had amazing sights to see. Maybe it was animals. Maybe it was fish. Maybe it was uh, just the landscape. Whatever it was, it was beautiful, and it was all that you could do to take it all in. As I prepared for this sermon today, there were many places that I thought of that I have been very, very fortunate to have been able to have traveled to in my life up to this point. But the place that I got to thinking about was our most recent spring break this past March. As I was able to share with you in March, when we got back, we were able to travel with my wife's parents and meet them in Las Vegas, Nevada for spring break. 
We drove, and on the way we stopped at the petrified forest and the painted desert and drove through there and saw those amazing sights. We spent most of the week in Las Vegas. Then on Thursday, we drove to the Grand Canyon in order to spend Friday in the park. On Thursday evening, we arrived in the small town outside of the Grand, Can Grand Canyon National Park main entrance. And as we drove in, it began snowing. We did some things in town and kind of just looked around and saw some things. And then at dinner that evening, we sat down and we looked out of the restaurant windows. And in the darkness and in the light, we saw large, wet snowflakes falling. They were falling pretty heavily. So Friday morning, we woke and we looked out and there were about probably five to six inches of wet snow blanketing our vehicles. Thankfully, the roads had been well cared for over the night and we were able to easily drive into the park entrance in order to spend the day at Grand Canyon National Park. So we spent our time there driving from lookout to lookout and then walking along a few of the trails that run along the rim of the canyon that allow you to stop in different lookout points and over to see uh, different, different views and different angles of the canyon. As you can imagine, we spent the day and we took a whole lot of pictures, some of them of us standing with the canyon behind us, but a whole lot of them of just the scenes that were unfolding before us. And as I've thought about our trip, and as I have gone back and looked at the pictures on my phone, they're still beautiful. But as I've looked at them, I realize that the photos are only a snapshot of what we truly experienced and what we truly were able to see. The photos show all of the things that, that I am describing in a minute, but they don't show everything like the clouds on the edge of the rim of the canyon that look like they're sitting on the opposite uh, rim you know, across the canyon from us. Maybe a rock formation peeking out of, of the clouds that are so low that it's sticking out of the top. Looking across the canyon and being able to see lines, lines of color, of browns and of reds and tans and purples and the other colors that you can imagine that each layer of the earth has interspersed with the white of snow that had fallen before. As I look back, the pictures are beautiful, but they only capture a glimpse of what we were able to see and what we were able to experience that day. Because you can only take in so much and you can only see so much. See, I think John's uh, letter to the church in 1 John is very similar to this visit, to this trip that we took to the Grand Canyon and to times that you and I, that you yourselves have traveled to places where there's just so much to take in that you just can't. 1 John goes back and forth between the main point and other points. And then he goes back to the main point and then jumps to point number three and he kind of winds back and forth and he doesn't present an argument like Paul where, where he presents the questions or issues and then structures his letter as a response before moving on to the next question, issue, or topic. Instead, what John does is he wants us to read his letters and to read his gospel and he wants us to do so and as we do so, we have to make those connections for ourselves. 
connections for our own lives, for our own faith, and for us to see how everything is connected in being a follower of Jesus Christ. Over the past five weeks, we've gone through this letter of 1 John. We've read from each chapter. We've studied the verses. We've talked about it and thought about it. And so let's think back a minute of what John is addressing in this letter. He speaks of believing in Jesus. He speaks of believing that Jesus is the Messiah, the chosen one. He speaks that we believe that Jesus has come in the flesh, meaning he is both fully God and fully human, the incarnation that we read about in the Gospel of John. He writes and believes that God has adopted all who believe in Christ as his sons and as his daughters. He writes that we are bound by God, by God's own love, to keep the commandments as we love each other. And then he writes that believing that our keeping of the commandments are what help us to realize our need for the grace, the mercy, and the forgiveness of God. See, in our scripture this morning, John comes back full circle. Back to the main theme of this letter that he has written to the early Christian church. Because he writes about how Jesus is the manifestation or evidence of God's love. And he writes about how we can respond to God's love through the ways that you and I live out and follow the commandments, but also in the ways that he says we engage in love within the Christian community, the ways we love each other. And then he says in verse 4, For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. John writes, everything or everyone born of God overcomes the world. Have you ever thought about what John means by writing these words to you? What does he mean by telling us that those born of God are going to overcome the world? I don't think he means overcome in terms of a physical battle. But I think what he means is that he's saying that this is a commission that John has placed on his disciples and also on all of us who have chosen to follow Jesus. Is this a continuation of the Gospel of John where uh, Jesus tells Peter and the other disciple, John, that they are not to worry about the persecution that they will experience, but that he is going to conquer the world and they don't need to worry? I think so. Because as I have read and as I have studied John's letter to the early church, I think that what he's doing in the final verses of this, of this letter is he's working after he said all of these other things and after he has written all of these other things, he's refocusing us on Jesus. In a sense, he's fine-tuning our focus as we might do to a telescope to, to fine-tune the, the image or the vision that we see through the lens. And so as he fine-tunes us, He fine-tunes our focus from all of the distraction and the other things that uh, sidetrack 
or perhaps distract us from Jesus. Because if there's something that I think we can take from this letter, 1 John, and I know it's simplistic, and I know maybe it's, it's too simplistic, or it feels that way, but for him, everything is about Jesus. Jesus in his life, Jesus in his death, Jesus even in the way that he conquers all of the things of this world through his dying. Because if you read this letter of John and the Gospel of John, there is nothing, absolutely nothing as important as Jesus. Jesus is everything. Everything that he has written about, everything that he points our eyes towards, everything that he wants us to understand and to see. And so he says, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This is the one, meaning Jesus, who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood, and it is the Spirit who testifies, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and the three are in agreement. We accept man's testimony, but God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God which he has given about his Son. Anyone who believes in the Son of God has this testimony in his heart. Anyone who does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because he has not believed the testimony God has given about his Son. Friends, as we read 1 John, the heart of the gospel is about Jesus. Because he wants us to see that in Jesus, you already have the victory. And you have already been given the opportunity to overcome the things of this world because of God and because of his saving work in Jesus Christ. Everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world. This is the testimony of God about his son and the spirit who testifies because the spirit is truth. See, the world thought that killing Jesus would end his message for all time. The world thought that by persecuting the first followers of Jesus that uh, his message would be silenced before it could be spread. For the last 2,000 plus years, every time the world tries to dampen, to quiet, to mute, or even erase the message of Jesus, friends, the message has continued. Because the victory is already there. Because you and I share in the victory that God has already won in Jesus Christ. The death of Jesus And in his resurrection, we hear God's final word. But it's not a final word. Not final in the sense that that we say it has ended. But it's final in the sense that the final word of God is eternal. Eternal. Eternal in that uh, you have been offered a relationship that's founded and based on hope. Eternal that you've been offered a life that is rooted in grace. 
eternal and that God has offered you the victory through his son Jesus Christ and you have received his forgiveness. There is no power. There is no other God. There is no other belief system in all of the world and in all of history who has achieved victory through loving like Jesus has loved. Because he offered himself, he gave of himself, he loved us and gave himself on the cross. And there's no other love that can compare to the love shown to you through Jesus Christ. The victory has been won through his suffering and through his death. And the victory of Jesus has come to each of us through the love of God. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. 1 John 5, 11-13 Friends, the victory is in Jesus. The victory is in God. And the victory is in the gift of eternal life that God has offered each of us through his Son, Jesus Christ. For you who have the Son have life, so that you might believe in the name of the Son of God, Jesus Christ himself. Amen. Before we conclude this broadcast, if I could uh, share with you in a closing prayer. Gracious God, we thank you for the victory that you have given us and that you have offered us through your Son, Jesus Christ. For Lord, we know that you have given us eternal life, life in your Son, and that in Jesus we may have life and that through Jesus you've invited us to believe. And so God, we do believe as we place our hope, our trust, and our faith in you. We believe in that which we do not yet understand, but we believe in you because we trust you and because you've already offered us the victory in love through your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.